1: Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be back in the studio after being away last week, but I'm very happy to have my co-host, Dr. Beth Dupree, um, taking over the show for me. Uh, today we have uh, – let, actually, let me give you two quick notes. If you're listening and you'd like to call and join our conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can do so by calling 888-329. 6306. And of course, please go to our website, womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net, uh, to keep up to date on the guest lineup and um, all kinds of other things that Women to Watch is doing. Um, I have two wonderful women with me today. One, of course, is Dr. Beth Dupree, who joins us every week if she's not traveling or she's not in surgery. And we will also be joined in a few minutes by Dr. Carrie Gannon, uh, Dr. Gannon is the founder of Isla Cosmetics, and she's also a board, um, excuse me, board-certified pediatric surgeon. And we're going to be hearing from her in just a few minutes about what led her to uh, found her new company, Isla Cosmetics. But first, I want to bring in Dr. Dupree, who spent a weekend in London and has some uh, information for us. Welcome to the show, Beth. Hey Sue, can you hear me? I can, yes. Okay, so
0: I, got, I just texted Brett because I'm hearing some football show in my headset, so I'm actually only hearing you through my computer, but I'm going to fake it until we make it. So. Okay, Hi. I can hear
1: you perfectly, and I can see well, that they're my, working my, on my it. My
0: microphone's working great, but my headset is playing some sports show, Okay. And I'm not that good at multitasking, so I had to take the headset off. <laughs> it's always something, isn't so, it? Anyway, I'm just going to lower the volume on my computer since we are no, so techno-savvy. And um, no, Anyway, I was in uh, London for the weekend. It was absolutely amazing I was invited as part of a advisory board for a company that is looking at technologies to advance um, multiple areas of, of cancer care and so I had the um, great honor of uh, being in the room with some of the brightest and most um, I think uh, academically gifted, Surgeons, uh, pathologists, and, uh, some of the top industry leaders. And it was really neat. I got to spend the weekend with Lord Darcy, who's like the highest ranking, um, British, uh, medical individual. He's, uh, he's part of the House of Lords, and he is a minimally invasive surgeon. And, um, I remember when I came back from my conference a few weeks ago when I was at the microbiome conference, and I was telling you all about how, um, intrigued i am with how our gi tract is related to everything yes yes well the cool thing is the uh, gentleman that heads their department they call biosurgery he is a specialist um his name is jeremy nicholson and i've read papers that he's written um, about the microbiome and its importance in like the homeostasis of our of of our, our lives and our bodies so it was absolutely a thrilling weekend for me Seeing new technology, and uh, in all honesty, it's about thinking about the possibilities of where we're going in healthcare. And right now, what really um, interests me is that here I am in, in England, looking at this technology that is like light years ahead of where we are, but. We're also looking at the basics of the microbiome, which is what I've been doing with all of my integrative medicine stuff. So, again, I'm feeling this sense of bridging between the two worlds. Um, so that is was absolutely phenomenal for me. So
1: Well, and that's, you know, I love to hear that because I know that's your, you know, what your focus is right now, is trying to not only educate surgeons and, and people in the medical field, but also uh, people like myself, lay people, you know, about what is going on, bringing the two together. So I'm so happy to hear that you're seeing that in other places, right? Because the more yeah. that are involved, the better.
0: Absolutely. And uh, it was neat. I had lunch with Jody, our integrative lead here at Holy Redeemer Health System, and she and I have been conspiring. We've got a lot of programs coming into place, a lot of our stuff with employee health. And, um, you know, I, I've talked also about, you know, our um, push to be able to do our um Fecal transplantations for C. difficile So all of these are things that are kind of coming on track for us So it's a really interesting time It's really, really wonderful And uh, I just feel like I'm finally at that point in my life Where I'm absolutely being able to be that bridge between Eastern and Western medicine because both have such amazing things to offer us in the world of healthcare And to be able to do this like on a daily basis and really feel like it's coming together, I am very happy about it.
1: Right. It's always good to feel like there's others on your team, right, and you're not kind of out there as a lone voice.
0: Yeah, correct. So what what I'm going to suggest that I do is I am going to
1: try to call back in
0: because for whatever reason my – my headset is not working because I'm listening to some other show. So while you introduce our guest and start talking with her, I'm going to try to get back on because otherwise I'm going to have to call in because there's going to be too much reverberation, okay? Okay, great
1: idea. Great. All I'll, right, I'm going, to, I'm going to hang up and right, hopefully well, I'll come back on the right show. Sounds good. Thanks, Beth. Um, so let's uh, introduce then our guest for today. I'm, I'm so thrilled and excited to have her joining us. Uh, her name again is Dr. Carrie Gannon. And Dr. Gannon is the founder of Isla Cosmetics and and she's also a board certified podiatric surgeon um, welcome to podiatric. the show pediatric podiatric sure, sure. Podiatric. Uh,
0: podiatric podiatric so you're back Got with it? us <laughs> I, it's, it's the yeah it's back on Okay. My, my part my partner's husband's a podiatric surgeon okay so you know, and even I mean, I should know as a as a surgeon, but like you have to know these things because they're your colleagues, and you have to say it the right way.
1: Yes. Well, I thought I anyway, did. Welcome, I can, Carrie. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Carrie. Thank you. Nice to be here. You know, I was
2: at an event yesterday with the same issue. They announced me, and it was, it was the same the same way. Pod, 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 podiatric. It's hard. Though. I think we
1: hear the word podiatry much more often mm-hmm. than podiatric, but um, we all know we all know what they both mean and um Carrie I'm so as I said I'm so happy to have you on the show you're such a perfect example of what we often talk about on the show and that is women who see a problem um something that that needs to be taken care of and they go about doing it um but as we always do on the show, I want to give the audience a little bit of a sense of where you came from and, and who you are um, and what kind of led you to starting this company in addition to your surgery practice. So if you can talk for a few years about uh, growing up in Tennessee um, as what you described as a classic overachiever. Where did that come from? <laughs>
2: Well, I think, you know, when I was younger, they would have called me bossy. Now they like to refer it, uh. to, refer to it as having leadership skills. and They right. we're trying to change the mentality there, which I'm appreciative of. But, you know, I I, I appreciate the term overachiever, but I would also say that as an adult, um, I would call myself more of an overfunctioner, which is not the same as an overachiever. You know, you think of an overachiever as someone who has a focused goal and is, is streamlined to the accomplishment of that goal intends to accomplish that goal. Versus an overfunctioner who is balancing everything and balancing at a very high level and functioning at a level where um, where it, it, it in time leads to um, your downfall, whether that's professionally, personally, or, or from a health perspective. And and so a, a lot of, and on the outside, a lot of times an overfunctioner looks like an overachiever, but they're not synonymous. They're not one and the same. And I feel like you know you mentioned you saw. Know, a problem that I saw. I think that women in general are called to, so- to solve problems all the time. A lot of times we're not credited for solving those problems. And we're called as a culture to be everything to everyone. And um, we're
1: struggling
2: with these new roles and how to balance them.
1: Yeah. You know, what a, what a great way to describe that, though the difference between, you know, functioning and achieving. Um, we, we sometimes talk about the difference between confidence and self-esteem. And I think it's kind of a similar... Um, it's similar differences. You know, we can be going out and about um, very com- looking to be very confident, but inside we we're not really holding that self-esteem. So functioning and achieving uh, it reminds me of that. Would you say, Carrie, that you were kind of born with that innate um, drive, or was it something that was developed in you from your upbringing?
2: I think it's a combination of both. I certainly think that my personality, as, as a lot of, I, I you know, I make a lot of assumptions about other female surgeons, um, and certainly Dr. Dupree can speak to this, but I, I do feel like there is something within us that just constantly wants to drive us and push, push, push. And then, you know, you you, uh, you layer on that the environmental aspects of everything, and, and you can create sort of the perfect storm.
1: Absolutely. Um... Dr. Dupree, yes. what do you think about that?
0: Well, you know what, we're all, as, as surgeons, we're driven. I mean, you can't do what we do and not be driven. And I think that a lot of times we also, because we are also problem solvers, we like to take on challenges, particularly where other people may have said that something is either impossible to do or really difficult because there is a sense of accomplishment of being able to um, come up with a solution And that's what we do all day long in the operating. We are constantly coming up with solutions. We're thinking on our feet. It's kind of how we're wired. And if you're not wired that way, you can't be a surgeon. I mean it's just it's part of it's part of what makes us surgeons. And I think I think what Carrie probably struggles with, like all of us, is how do you create a balance and how do you learn to say no? And, you know, really trying to channel and focus our uh, like our overdrive energy into things that truly make a difference in our world, in our patients' world, and in Carrie's case, in her daughter's world. And, and uh, it's like we're 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 given these opportunities that come up in our lives, and it's what we do with them. But I think as surgeons, we kind of go at it. It's, okay, how do we fix this? How do we make it better?
1: Well, and how do you do it? How do you channel it and stay healthy yourselves? That's that's Balance. probably the struggle for you two. Um, well, you gotta
0: sleep. You gotta sleep. You gotta eat, and you've got to learn to say no because we we don't always do that i listen i just was it i spent three days in london for god's sake but i said yes to it because it was a great opportunity for me and it was something that was going to be great from a personal growth perspective for me but if somebody had asked me to fly to london for you know i don't know something silly i would say you know what I, i'd have better ways to spend my time at home and and i'm sure you know carrie's done the same thing throughout her entire life you you um You just learn that you got to take care of yourself first before everybody else.
1: Yeah. Let's get into that um, part of your story, Carrie. Um, When I was reading uh, over your bio and your profile, you described um, the years prior to launching this company as you kind of uh, feeling like a ticking time bomb. And you had a lot of, you know, I'll say four main stressors at that time going through divorce, uh, cancer, um, holding your own surgery practice, and also raising a child. This was probably the, the biggest driver for you—a child um, with SPD, which is sensory um,
2: sensory processing disorder. Processing
1: disorder, correct? Yes. So, was changing. Well, let's start with let's... the cancer. I'm sorry. I didn't yes. Interrupt you, no, no, ahead. no. Please do. I want I want you to talk about it.
2: Well, let's start with the cancer. You know that was. A, su- a huge surprise, obviously. I was in medical school at the time, and and the diagnosis of Lyomyosarcoma came at a time when we were actually studying um, studying that specifically, and that was that was a huge um, blow, not only to me, but to my family. And it's interesting when the diagnosis came, you know, n- nobody stopped and said, okay, what do we need to do to to take care of Carrie? Because obviously she's not healthy globally. It, it, it came to what do we get? What do we do to get through this immediate situation so that we can get back to school <laughs> so that speaks <laughs> to the drive that you yeah. have right and right. instead of looking at my overall overall global health picture there's there was a reason that at age 23 i got sarcoma. nobody gets that mm. um and it's also incredibly um fatal if not managed correctly so i was very fortunate to be in the cleveland clinic to receive that kind of therapy um it, that, that was one of the things that was probably most shocking, and, and people tend to hear that, and then all of a sudden they treat you differently, and, and, and they automatically feel sorry for you, which for someone driven, you hate that. That, to me, isn't the biggest deal because I felt like I had a plan and I can manage it. The, the, the personal situations, as far as, as my divorce is concerned, I mean, you look at a cycle, you're in a cycle, and you realize over time that the only thing that you actually control in the cycle is yourself, and you have to pull yourself out of the out of that cycle and make a personal change. And in doing that, that is the only way to change the cycle, and, and that's what we did. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say we navigated that as best we could. We we are great friends. He's my business partner. We still work together and operate together. And I'm grateful for that relationship. And I'm I'm grateful for. You know, at bringing my children into the world, I'm uh, the medical practice. You know, that that's like lo- launching a rocket. Once that's up and going, it goes. You, you know, you, you sort of deal with the daily changes, but once it's orbiting, you, you don't have to put in a lot of a lot of more work. I, I, I will say that having Isla, that that is was the most important thing for me for multiple reasons. One, because it forced me to stop. I'm a very high level, um, everything I do is very high level, high activity, um, constantly moving, go, go, go. And I have a certain expectation that, that I, the people that I surround myself with can operate at that same level. And, and and a lot of people can't and don't and certainly don't want to. And then I had a child that cannot function um, unless you stop. So that was very good for me personally because it taught me that I had to stop and I had to sit back and I had to give this – Person and this situation, time that I was not giving myself and that I was not allowing in any other space in my life, and I had to not only focus on getting her better, but fight to find a diagnosis for her, and ultimately learn how to treat this because sensory processing disorder was something that that I had never heard of. We didn't really study it at school. It was it's it's sort of a newer. Um, I don't want to say trending term, but it's, it's certainly growing in, in, in knowledge base is, is, is what we know about it, but it's, it's, all, it's all hard, and it's, all, it's one of those things where you're, you're given a child who looks perfect on the outside and is physically perfect in every way, and, and she's different and can't manage anything, and it, it, it teaches you to stop, and it's a gut check moment to have to do that for, for anyone.
1: How about gosh what what irony in that Carrie I think about you know as you described yourself and then went right into describing um, your child um, and and what a lesson that is for you uh, I just think it's ironic that you you know as someone like you would have a child that needs that patience and yeah, a lot
0: of a lot of us as surgeons are in sensory overload constantly because yeah. we're being barraged all the time and so you know to be given that gift and that life lesson, of a child who makes you learn how to appreciate the stillness and the silence and the peace that comes with that is amazing.
2: Yes, and you, you know, you, you as you know, we are constantly reacting, constantly. Even if you're not in the operating room, you're constantly reacting to what a patient is telling you, what the needs of that patient, uh, it, what what their needs are. And then when you when you have a child who is simply not able to formulate what would be considered a typical response to any sensation. You really learn. You learn not only that your child doesn't perceive the world that you do, the way that you do, but really nobody else does either. You know, when she, when we walk into a room, she can hear the light bulbs. Nobody else can hear them, but it, to her, it's very painful. Mm-hmm. And, and there are people out there like that, and it makes you really stop and, and say, okay. I need to stop assuming everybody can, can, is, is perceiving everything the same way I am. And ultimately, it's not only, it's made me a much better mother, it's made me a much, but it's much made me a much better surgeon and physician because I have a greater awareness, um, for, for what this, the, the person might be feeling.
1: Yeah. You know, my guess is it's it's probably been around for a very, very long time, and now we have a name for it. You know, if you think back oh, to I when totally we were agree. growing up, and we, well, we, we know people that, you know, now it's clear to us what, what they were struggling with.
0: Plus, we also know now that with the incidence of every type of childhood, whether it's ADD or ADHD or Asperger's or whatever tagline you want to give it, they're, they're going up in incidence. For, and for whatever reason, you know, I've got my own theories, but, uh, you know, we're seeing far more of them. And a lot of it is it's awareness that people are identifying it and actually, you know, trying to find a diagnosis or trying to find a cause for the behaviors that we see. So it's, I think it's multifactorial.
2: I, t- I totally agree
1: Carrie let's get back to um, y- the um, the moment that you really kind of de- decided to make a decision about changing your own self and, and the way that you were living you know we talked about how you, you juggle many many things but you were at a breaking point point. and I think it's so important for people listening to the show there's probably many who you know are feeling the same uh, overwhelm right now um, have been there Um You called a friend and you said, you know, I'm not okay. Um, I love the fact that you did that, you know, being somebody, you know, with the driven personality and um, the intelligence that you have a lot of times people don't want to you know admit that they're struggling and um, that was your first kind of awakening to the importance and value in changing your your diet and, and health and the way you were living uh, my question for you is was was changing your diet and your health the only um, thing that you did to really change your life or did you also seek some kind of therapy or support in addition to that. I
2: I did both in addition I you know that's a very difficult phone call for me to make not only to the friend but also also to seek therapy I I have done therapy before I believe very strongly in therapy because I believe that it provides us tools to manage um, life I don't you know people sometimes consider therapy a a sign of weakness but I I believe that it gives us tools and that certainly has given me tools and given given my daughter tools but you know those are two very challenging phone calls to make and, and to do because I, I you know I'm <laughs> I, I can handle anything all the time. And it's it's not true. You can't. Um so I I did have to make changes globally or systemic change not just with, with what I was eating what I was doing um, who I was surrounding myself with um, the way I the way I set my boundaries for myself but the, the, truly the start was calling my friend and telling her you know what I don't think I'm okay and she was so funny she's like of course you're not she's like look, what, look at all the stuff that you're doing right. she's like I can barely keep up with my daily tennis schedule let's get let's go right. and she picked me up and she took me to a juice bar and bought me My first shot of wheatgrass, and and that's when I decided. You know what I, I instead of feeding my body and nourishing my body every day, I restrict my calories because I don't want to gain weight. So I flipped that mindset immediately. Mm. I started nourishing myself. And then you know what, when you nourish your body and you give it what what it needs, you don't gain weight. So it doesn't matter. You know, I believe, I think I lived in residency off of those little peanut butter cups and I, you know, (laughs) you get to practice and you still do that. And you're, you know, you're in the lounge or whatever, and they may have some crackers or some potato chips and you you eat it as quickly as you can and, and consider that your lunch. And I realized, Hey, I'm not going to be able to do this. This is not yeah. okay. And my body's going to shut down and it's going to shut down in a big way. And, and she was the catalyst. She was the one that made it okay for me to say, you know what, I've got to give myself some time here because if I fail, all this stuff that I'm supposedly managing fails.
1: Well, here's what I want to know. You know, most people know, you know, intellectually that you you cannot live on Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, right? We all know that <laughs> <laughs> as much as we wish we could. But how did you find the discipline to change it? Because that's often, you know, that's kind of what keeps people stuck. You know, they really know what they need to be doing. But to make the change, there's usually some kind of... um you know, there's an event or, or an aha moment that you say, that's it. I, you know, this is the day that I'm going to turn it around.
2: Well, I, I really relied on my friend and she kept me accountable. You know, did you, have you been doing this today? Did you do that today? And then, then over time it became easy because I felt better. Um, but I see that in my patient practice all the time. I have a high population of diabetic patients that, that, um, for whatever reason refuse to believe that they need to participate. Um, in in some of their care, and they they just won't do it. So I see that struggle all the time. They're just not able or not willing to make the change because we're comfortable. That's right. I was comfortable. It's easy for me to grab a bag of potato chips in the lounge and and believe that I'm nourishing my body. It's much more challenging for me to go to the juice bar and and purchase what I need right. or buy a juice machine and clean it every week. I mean, have you guys ever cleaned one of those things? It's it's like yes. it's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like easy. rebuilding a carburetor. I don't know how to do this.
1: It is. It is. It, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's
0: part of the process, though. It's like you. there's no free lunch. You know, you want fresh fruits. Right. You want fresh vegetables. You know, people say, right. well, where do you find organic things? I'm like, well, you either join a CSA or you find a farmer's market that you like or you go to a grocery store or you trust them. But it's, it's like you have to. And I, I think of it as we need to all learn to eat consciously because that's one of the things that residency. Yeah, you know, I, I lived off of some way worse things. I think, think about some of the stuff that I used to eat. And I think, oh, my God, I actually gave birth to a child eating this stuff. Like my first time. <laughs> I know. You know? Yeah. It's but he true. didn't have three heads. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> McKenna's like the normal one. She just turns left all the time. Probably what I, probably what I hate <laughs> in residency.
1: <laughs> you know, one of the things that stood out for me in reading about you was, the, you know, the fact that um, you were a doctor and, and you couldn't, yourself, could not get answers about um, a product line that you were providing to your own patients. And, you know, as oh. consumers, we worry about, you know, uh, because we're being educated, we worry more about what's in products. And, um, you said, you know, here you were selling an, uh, a product and recommending it to your patients, and when you decided to find out really what's in it for sure, that it would be safe, um, they weren't very um, transparent with you. So I'm thinking, what can we do as consumers, besides reading every single solitary label of everything we purchase, how can we, um, you know, kind of drive change in that area?
2: Well, I mean, the industry as a whole is demanding it, so I, th- I think that that's coming. I think it's going to get easier, but but you just have to be tenacious, and you have to be vigilant, and you ha- you have to make certain that you're keeping your goal in mind, which is 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 investing in your own health on the front end. And, you know, it's, I don't want to say that this company was, was nasty about it. They weren't. They just were not at all helpful. And after a couple of weeks of it, it's it's like, okay, guys, you should be able to give me an answer because you're, make, you're formulating this product. If you, if you can't give me the answer, then I'm just going to come up with it myself. And, you know, how I had some reservations know? about uh, – well, I know, how exactly, I, you know.
0: How do, they, how do they not know what's in it? I mean, if you're making you, it, like, that's – that's like, it's like, it's like if you bake a cake, you know what you put in it, you know? <laughs> right, so it right. just it just seems amazing that, you know, we're, we are in healthcare, we're trying to become so transparent. And all you want to know is what is in the stuff that I'm about to put on my body or on my lips or on my nails or whatever. And it's, it just seems like that should be like one of those, um, uh, it's like an unwritten rule. Like, how do you not know that? Like, aren't there companies, that, aren't there rules about when you start a company that you have to be transparent about these things?
1: But oh, we are making, you're right, uh, Carrie, we, you know, we are demanding it more and more. Oh
2: right, the, the industry is, is, it, the community is demanding it, and the industry, I believe, is responding. I mean, the, I, I feel that way because we've we've been so warmly embraced, and then there are, there are other companies with the same um, principles that are they're being well received in the market and in the space, and and I think that that's just that's that's a, a trend that is going to continue to grow.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about ILA ILA Cosmetics is is the company that you started, and um, talk about why. Why and how it came to be and and why you decided to start with the nail polish.
2: Well, as a podiatrist, I see toenails and toenail fungus and toenail pathology in my office all the time. Pretty much every every day and you know, people are constantly struggling to find something that is that is better um, for their nails to hopefully prohibit fungus. Now, I, I, I need to be completely transparent. There, there is no way to make nail polish completely chemical free. There's no way to make it antifungal because we're covered in fungus, yeast, and mold bacteria. There's no way that we can eradicate that those those microbes through a nail polish. But what we can do is eliminate the things that are that are. Mostly toxic, the most dangerous and still come up with a very functional and very beautiful product. You know, I, 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 just became angry one day in my office and I wasn't getting that response and I said, I'm going to do this myself and started working on a formula with a lab out in California and we were very fortunate to produce something that, that merges health, function and beauty. You know, I think that as women, we have, we have for, for such a long time compromised our health for beauty mm-hmm. and, and my goal is to, is to make as many products as possible, where we don't have to do that any longer. And I started with polish because that's something that, a medium that I'm working in every day anyway.
1: Well, and, I, and I'm sure it's something that you shared, you know, as a mother with your daughters. Oh yes,
2: and you know how it is for a little girl to paint their nails. It's so fun, and and I think nail polish is is replacing lipstick as the the, the feel good buy because women, when we're working or, or or washing dishes or whatever, we can see our nails, and if they look pretty, they make a, it makes us feel good. Versus lipstick, you kind of have to look in the mirror and and, and, and to see <laughs> to see what you look like. But your nails, you can see all the time, and they're they're fun, and there's so many different things that you can do with them.
0: I love it that you as a surgeon love your nails. I I, I have to tell you, I get so excited when all ten of mine end up being at least close to the same length. (laughs) Yeah. Because I, I bang into stuff all the time with them, and it's, it's, you know, I don't keep polish on in the operating room, but it's just, they're, they're tough to keep really pretty, so I love the fact, I'm going to try your nail polish, because I love the fact that it's all natural, because you walk into those, um, some of those salons, and I, I swear to God, my lungs are becoming fixed, like when you smell the fumes of mm. some of those godforsaken chemicals and uh you know th- some of those chemicals have been associated with increased risk of of um miscarriage in the uh nail workers you know and how good is it when you walk right. in and they they all have masks on and you're stand- you're sitting there smelling all this going wait a minute where's my uh, where's my mask
2: I'm very specific. I don't. I don't put my product in environments like that. I don't. I. I just don't allow it to go into that environment, just because I, for the very reason of not being wanted, not wanting to be associated the with association. that. Association. Yeah. Did you read the recent Duke study about about um, triphenyl phosphate, the TPHP absorption through the nail?
0: No, I haven't. I, I'm afraid now. What? What is it? You can <laughs> clue me
2: in. Well, they, they were able to measure significant absorption rates, um, of, of the, of uh, TPHP through the nail oh. and note that it was statistically significant within 24 hours. I believe, wow. I, I don't, don't want to quote it incorrectly, but I want to say they tested 26 different nail polishes and, and, and were able to prove this. And it's, it's one of the first studies that I've seen that showed such a significant amount of chemical absorption through the nail.
1: Wow, I'm, I'm going to have to do a, a little bit of reading as yeah, I'm looking.
0: You got to do some research
1: Sue. I know, you, you know. I, I know. I'm looking at my beautifully French manicured hands that I got done for a wedding this weekend, and you know, it's just another thing that you know. All we can really do is educate ourselves as much as we can about these things. If you know, we're not scientists and we're not doctors, but um, there's oh, a lot of okay, information. Well,
0: you know, so, yeah, so she and I are doctors.
1: Right, I'm saying me. I'm not.
2: <laughs> I know, I am kidding. I'm kidding.
0: But yeah, but see, this is—it's a great thing about your job. You have access. That's You've right. Got friends now in the
1: business, you can get the info you need. That's right, exactly. Listen, ladies, we have to take a quick break for our sponsor, Holy Redeemer Health System, and we will be right back. Uh-huh. Welcome back everyone to this week of Women to Watch. My name is Sue Rocco and I have with me today Dr. Beth Dupree and our guest today is Dr. Carrie Gannon. She is the founder of Isla Cosmetics and she's also a podiatric surgeon, podiatric surgeon, podiatric. <laughs> there you go. There I go. I uh, love <laughs> you got it. Very proud of myself. Um, Carrie, there's, you know, there's a lot of things that you're doing, um, in addition to your surgery and to running a company. Um, you sit on several boards. I wanted to know what made you decide to get involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation.
2: You know, they um, were kind enough to invite me, actually. I had recently rolled off of a board for Montessori School of Franklin. I was president of that board, and um, we had some success there, and they, based on that success, Needed a physician on the board anyway, and 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 were kind enough to um, invite me, and um, that's been a really fulfilling role. I can't tell you. Every time we have a meeting, I'm in tears because they share a wish story, and it's always good to be to be reminded what we're what we are as physicians, what we're working for. Oh, and that's a good that's a good platform. You know, to remind you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and the work that you did on the Montessori, uh, on the board of, for the Montessori school, is that a school that your, your girls attended?
2: They did. And Montessori school, I, I think that that's part of the reason that my younger daughter, Isla, did so well. You know, that's an environment where, she can thrive with with her sensory issues. You know, they they they're at their very neutral environment. They she gets her own choices in a very structured environment. Mm-hmm. Um, they were able to accommodate a lot of her needs. You know, there she she has to be brushed a certain way every day. They were able to brush her, and there were other students in the classroom that needed that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, she was able to do a lot of the things like. For a lot of the sensory children, clothes are painful, so she could wear pajamas to school without a problem. And they, she would carry a very heavy backpack on her back every day to sort of offer her the pressure that the sensation that she needed. And they were able to accommodate all of it. And so for me, to be able to give back to that school, um, that was very rewarding. And I tell people all the time when they ask me, if you couldn't be a doctor, what, what would you like to do? And, and one of the things on my list is I'd love to be a Montessori teacher.
1: <laughs> oh, well, maybe you can. One day you can certainly, you know, step in there um, here and there and and talk to the kids. Um, We should mention that the the name Isla came from your daughter. That's her name. What a beautiful Mm -hmm. name! Does it have some meaning behind it?
2: It's Gaelic. Both of my daughters have Gaelic names, and um, it means strong or from the strong place in Gaelic.
1: Oh, I love that. As a as a one hundred percent Irish girl, I I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, one of my questions actually had to do with with your kids and how you speak to them about kind of maintaining you know maintaining some kind of a balance and uh, a life you know free of overwhelm, but at the same time striving for personal and professional success. You know, that's kind of a, a daily struggle for all of us, where we we know we need to not overdo it, but at the same time. Time. You don't want to be a slacker, you know you want to use your gifts right. in life and and work hard. What kind of conversations do you have with the girls about that?
2: This is a very delicate balance, and I believe that we have to be very careful with this because otherwise we actually set our daughters up to be everything to everyone. That's Just right. Just like our culture is That's sort right. of leading us to doing that. But at the same time, I don't want my daughters to ever be in a situation where they can't fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. I recognize how fortunate I am with my education to be able to – care for myself without the financial worry that a lot of women in my position as being a a divorced person might have. So I want to impress upon them that they always need to be in a position to care for themselves, but I don't want them to feel like they have to care for everyone all the time. And that is a very delicate um, balance to strike, particularly with the younger younger girls. Um, my seven year old Isla, she you know she just wants to play basketball and jump around all the time. Still, my my nine year old, she's already getting into the. Well, this boy's writing me a note. What should I do? And, and, and to tell them that they don't need to care for all, everybody. You don't need to do stuff for everyone. And, hey, I, I, I you know, she's interesting. She said, you know, he wrote me a note, but I'm going to make him wait and, and I'm going to write him a note tomorrow. Oh, and I was, I was I so that. excited. I was like, McKenna? That is the best answer I've ever heard. What made you say that? And she said, Well, mom, he doesn't need to think that I'm desperate. He can wait until I talk to him tomorrow. And I was like, Done. Wow. That's amazing. You
1: know, she learned that from you. Um, I I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, Well, I think you're so right. It's such a dance, isn't it? Between, and I think all you you can do is kind of face each day as it comes when giving advice to your your kids because society and cultures change constantly so we have to you know kind of change our discussions um and and make them appropriate but for young women which we you know beth and i talk about young girls today all the time and the pressures um that are on them i I just think it's so important that they learn you know belief in themselves you know that oh yeah the strength self-esteem self-esteem it's it's everything
2: absolutely it really is and i i'm a huge fan of of keeping my girls busy i don't mean running them around to the point where they can't function i mean we need to be in a sport Agreed. we need to be into yes. music we yes. need to have something, something that we're involved in so that we're not on our phones with with you know talking about nonsense right watching television and watching more nonsense listening to the radio and listening to more nonsense and yes. literally wasting our lives away and i don't care if you're great at your sport i don't care if you're terrible at it i don't care if you're great at your music just be busy at something, be involved in something because it gives you an outlet it provides it provides social interaction it it it, it provides um a, a feeling of self worth and accomplishment right. and there's so many studies out there about showing you know girls involved in sports where they're less sexually promiscuous and 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 do better in school and and continue to thrive well beyond girls that aren 't and and so for 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 me it's it's Teaching them balance not only with academia and their personal life, but also with 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 something, uh, some outside interest. Because I think without that, we're we're losing a lot of our of our um, young people. And I also think teaching teaching young people the importance of direct communication and the importance of relationship development, and that is getting lost today as well. Mm-hmm. With the more frequent social media, the more frequent communication that we do with phone. Children can't even, you know, young teenagers can't even speak to you and look you in the eye anymore. That's right. And I, 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 that's a huge problem, I believe, for our country as a whole. Yeah,
1: I agree. I agree on both of those points. I think, you know, keeping them busy um, is is an opportunity for them to learn um, and and stay away from the nonsense. And uh, yeah, the communication is something. Gosh, I you know, have been hammering that into my own kids for years. Um, I guess because I'm a communication major, I just think, gosh, it's really tough for them um, to, to learn to speak to people eye to eye because they don't have an opportunity to do it. They they literally right. are texting. So we have to work uh-huh. on that, you know. Um, tell me, Carrie, what, what are you most proud of in regard to your own personal transformation?
2: Hmm i think it's learning how to stop and remembering what is truly important um I, I think we are we get so busy that we forget what is truly important and at the end of the day you know um <laughs> Cleaning up the house and having a perfect house is probably not the most important thing. It's my personal relationships with my children, with my friends, with my family. Um, I think that that's what I'm most proud of because I feel like I really lost sight of that being so driven and so focused and so, um, such an over functioner. You, you forget all of that stuff. It, it, Gets pushed to the side, and you know re- relationships. That's the true global currency. It's not money. You know we need to really cultivate them. And and when when you're constantly focused on the next goal, you you lose the relationships. And I, I think that that's what's most important.
1: Yeah, and you know we I always say we some days we do it well, and some days we don't. But as long as we're conscious of it, it always brings us back to you know what, what's uh, what the most important thing is.
2: So that would, that would be, for me, that, what I'm most proud of. I, I think I think just re- circling back around to to the relationship with, with my children and, and being able to, to recognize that, hey, I needed to stop.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about um, perhaps incorporating some type of health and wellness uh, programs, teaching children um, at a young age about health and wellness and making it part of the curriculum in school? Um, you know, we're talking about it as parents. And it's talked about out in the medical field. Uh, But sometimes I wonder if it shouldn't be something that they're learning in school um, more so than just their, you know, phys ed.
2: Sure, I think it's lacking. I think the education school education system as a whole is somewhat backwards, you know when you especially when you look at a daughter like like I have she doesn 't learn the way that a traditional student learns, and she's being asked to do that all the time i, I, I my My children are purposefully in schools that that um, are already Incorporate that. You know, look at, you look at Montessori school. They teach you life skills. They, they, that's part of the curriculum. They, they they also teach you about your health and what you should be putting in your body. They're, they're currently in another private school that does the same thing. My concern is that I feel like, particularly when you hand something like that over to, to a government system, a lot of times it becomes, um, somewhat bastardized and, and is no, is no longer relevant. And to, and, and to initiate any change as, as we learn more and develop up more and, and to initiate any change into what's already been set forth in that system is virtually impossible. You know, look at what they're teaching and now, and we're light years ahead of uh, in the medical community what what they're t- what they're teaching, and and we're it's it's very difficult to get them to incorporate the, anything new, and, and so I, I really have reservations about handing handing a lot of that over um, um, to a system that, that is is failing in, in other ways already. Mm-hmm. But right. I do think it's important.
1: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's a tough issue. Um, I, I actually have a, a sister-in-law. She's a yoga instructor. And, um, you know, she's seeing and, and we're seeing um, classes being brought into the elementary school level uh, to teach these kids, you know, the importance of mindfulness, you know, and just being able to relax and kind of step back in their crazy, hectic days. You know, when I think of something like that, I think how smart, you know, they're, they're, they're being pushed and pushed all day long. What a wonderful thing to take an opportunity in the middle of their school day to... Just relax, learn how to relax, you know, with there's yeah. so much anxiety in young children. Um, but, but is it a place for it at school? I don't know, you know? Well, at
2: Montessori school, we did yoga. It was part of the curriculum. Um, my, my children were fortunate enough to have it. I don't know if that, that is universal among all Montessori schools, but mm-hmm. at our school, they, 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 did have a yoga program and my, my kids loved it and they benefited from it tremendously. Um, the, the, their current school has a sensory processing curriculum, which is very, very helpful. But, but I agree with you. We Our kids are going from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing, and they have no idea what it's like to have a quiet mind that's and right. to sit quietly. That's and it's right. hard because they can just grab an iPad, grab a phone, grab a TV, um, and, and, and they never have that opportunity. And that's our fault because we don't provide it.
1: That's right. Well, and they're also seeing and hearing so much bad stuff you know that's the other part of it you know so that, so i just want them to be little forever so i know <laughs> i do too <laughs> um tell me um it, for, first of all i want to step back for a second and, and talk about islet can you talk about what the, the science behind your product and and what's in it and how it's different well, the science behind the
2: product is basically I wanted to eliminate any any chemical that would absorb through the nail because the nail is porous, just right. like skin. Right. It doesn't absorb at the same rate that the skin does, but it will absorb over time. Um, absorb, as, or I'm sorry, re- remove as many dangerous chemicals as possible while still providing a stable construct. Because a couple of things: one, if it's not beautiful, women aren't going to buy it. That's and if right. it doesn 't function, women aren 't going to buy it, but they will buy something that 's unhealthy for them if it 's beautiful and functional. So we have to find the balance um, among those those three um, parameters. So, in looking at the construct of the, the polish itself or the lacquer itself, I, I, I was on the fence about a water-based polish versus a, a cellulose-based polish, and I or a la- lacquer. And I purposely did not go with the water-based lacquer. And I, I, not that I'm I'm not disparaging other companies that are water-based, but I, I just believe that water water, um, in the traditional sense, harbors bacteria. It creates a perfect environment for these fungus, yeast, molds, bacteria to. Pre- Mm. Proliferate. In order to prevent that proliferation in in a water-based formula, you have to add a lot of preservatives, which are not healthy. So I I went with a cellulose base, or or it's a. a, When you think about cellulose, that's what makes up the the stalk of a plant um, construct. And eliminated um, chemicals like formaldehyde, formaldehyde resin, um, camphor, toluene, DBT, and then the, the triphenyl phosphatase that we were just discussing. Um, and, and we were able to come up with a construct that is that is stable, meaning it's functional, it's beautiful, and it's as healthy as it can be. There's there's no way to make all cosmetics completely chemical free. They just they just it just won't ever happen unless we have a great, some sort of <laughs> massive scientific breakthrough. There. Everything is chemistry. Everything about life is chemistry, and, and it's, it's a matter of filtering through what is what is healthy versus what is not healthy.
1: Well, and, and also, you know, when you the more organic and, um, things are, they seem to be that the, the um, element of preservatives comes into play. In other words, there's so many things would go bad if they didn't have elements in them that were not organic. Is that a part of it? Right. Yeah. It would... Right. Go ahead. No, I, I think about that's one of the reasons that some things can't be 100 um, percent organic because they wouldn't. Right.
2: It, they just they're not a stable construct. They will not. Right. They will not maintain and they they will they will break down not only in the bottle and you'll you have something useless within a, in a very short period of time and right. they they also won't function when they're on your hand. Right. Which for me I, I have to have something that functions or I'm not going to wear it. Right. So the
0: big
1: breakthrough is go ahead, Beth.
0: Yeah. So you, does you know, when I when you when I first opened up um, the page and was reading about Carrie yesterday, um, I was like, you know, I, I love I was fascinated by your daughter's story. I love her name. I love that you were doing nail polish and uh, you know, for the general listener out there they might say, Why in God's name is a podiatrist, a podiatric surgeon, like someone who's a foot and ankle doctor, like what do they know about nails? But podiatrists know more about nails than anybody else they just know more about toenails yeah. pretty much than, than <laughs> right. the rest of the world but with well, the same thing that happens to toenails can happen to regular nails which is that connection because you know you might say well why if you wanted uh, if you wanted cosmetics why would you pick something else but people don't realize like that you know toenails are a big deal when you get older i, I mean oh nice they're it's having, a huge problem having having and, two and, parents with you know, I got twenty toenails amongst them. And it is, it is
1: the <laughs> to biggest, to maintain.
0: The, well, it is because yeah. you know, they older people cannot number one, they can't safely cut their own nails without potentially cutting their skin for a lot of them. They don't have the manodexterity, dexterity, the acuity, and they can't bend over to do it. Right. And they can get funguses. They, you know, and anyone that has any type of neuropathy or diabetes is at high risk for, you know, infections and they may not feel it. So it's it's a, you know, this whole nail, um, you know, nail biology and nail care is a big deal. And I love that you've taken this, you know, you've taken your, you know, an aspect of what you do and turned it into something really so, you know, powerful and awesome, you know, doing something great for your, for, you know, to help move forward the, you know, the progress with finding out how and what with your daughter's disease, but to to give women the opportunity to, you know, to vote with their feet and walk to a place and buy nail products that are healthy
2: for us and aren't going to potentially hurt us. So it's awesome.
0: That's all well, I thank got.
2: you. And I actually love, I actually love the nail care. I, I, I feel like it provides a great service for the aging population. It gives me an opportunity to continuously evaluate them. You know, my, my number one surgical procedure right now is amputation of the foot and ankle. I do that almost oh. every week for mm-hmm. the diabetic population. And to, and that, you know, that's mm-hmm. a game changer. That's a, that's life changing for everyone. And a lot of times it comes from a very simple, infection in a toe and yeah. it, it gets out of control and then they end up losing a foot. And so, you know, a lot of people look at the toenail and they think, what, That's, you want to the doctor for that? But I'm, I'm telling you, we, we prevent more problems by just managing this than when things get out of control and then all of a sudden you're you're in the operating room losing part of your foot and, and they're no longer able to function. So I, I'm I, I'm thrilled to be doing it. And, and these, these these women, they love it. You know, when they get their nails done, they always want to get their nails Painted, it makes them feel good, and at the same time, we're preventing all kinds of problems.
1: Yeah. Listen, do you have plans for to add other products to the Isla line?
2: Absolutely. I would like to add skincare. I'm I've always struggled with my skin, and I'm working on some formulations right now that um, are, are are seeming to be very well received in my test market, and I would like to um, eventually release them. But truly, I want—you know—we're we, very new in this space. We've only had product in the market for about 18 months, and we're, we're fortunate that we're being extremely well received. But I want to do this and do this correctly and do this well before we diversify too much. But but ultimately, you know, diversification is is one of the keys to success for anything.
1: Well, and that's, that's so smart. And, you, you know, you want to perfect one thing before you move on to another. And not only that, it's such a competitive market, you know, as – as, as people have learned more and more over the years the importance of um, these very healthy products and what the other ones may be doing to us, um, there's people launching them every day. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see what you might come up with down the road um, to add to this because you have had su- success with the nail care Um You know, what are your, how do you, here's what I want to know. It's a big job to run a company, launch a product. You know, there's marketing and there's, uh, financial, financials, all kinds of things. Are you working full time as a surgeon at the same time?
2: I, I am, but I do. Set aside time every day as part of you know maintaining those boundaries that I focus only on this company. The the other thing is that I have a great team. I, it's not just me. I have a phenomenal marketing and publicity team and a, a phenomenal executive assistant. And you know I, I ran the the medical practice from a business perspective as well. So that stuff is easy. That that stuff is the financials, all of that. That that is certainly manageable. Um, what isn't manageable is all the answers things and I have a team of people that help me and that's hard it's hard to have a team of people for someone like me but it's it's mandated otherwise again I'd be in the position of doing too much and doing all of it but not doing anything well
1: that's right right and you you are fortunate to have the team because a lot of um you know entrepreneurs um they are the the team (laughs) for many years until they Mm -hmm. you know till they really you know see success out in the market and again, I go back to my
2: education. I could not do ILA if I was not, if I had not taken the time to make certain that my education was was sound and that it was going to allow me, you know, to be able to support myself there. And and that is a huge blessing. I recognize that that, that if I that if that was not present in my life, and I, I would not be able to do this.
1: Really, because what that allows you to do is ask the right questions, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, Just in the few minutes we have left, Carrie, I'd love for you to give a last bit of advice to someone who might be listening that is at a similar place that you were years ago, really feeling like you had to make a change and and you're at a breaking point. Um, What would you say to those women?
2: i would say that you need to take charge and and do it yourself otherwise it otherwise it's going to happen to you and you won't have the control you, you have to stop you have to take stock in everything that's going on evaluate uh, in a in a very strategic intentional manner the things that are important to you the things that you're willing to compromise on and the things that you're not willing to compromise on and determine that for yourself and move forward empower yourself by taking that on head on because if you don't things are going to fall apart and you will find yourself in a reactionary position and you will become reactionary versus versus being proactive and becoming and being reactive is not the power position and you in order to get through a life-changing event or or the amount of stress that, that you're you're talking about here you have to be proactive because a reactive decision is never as good as a proactive decision.
1: That's right. Great advice. Great advice, Carrie. Um, I, I really appreciate you joining us today. And real quick, if you can give Pleasure your contact you. information for anyone who wants to um, learn more about the product.
2: Sure. It's love, Isla, dot com. Um and, and there's an email address on there, hello at ilacosmetics.com. And we're, we're, we're answering emails all the time, so we'd be happy to, happy to speak to anyone.
1: Great. Thanks so much. Dr. Dupree, thank you for joining us. Um,
2: have a great week, Nice everybody. to meet you guys. Thank you, guys. Take yeah, care. we'll Bye-bye. talk to you soon.
1: Have a great week. That's it, okay, everyone, thanks. for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk860, and net. Have a great week, everyone. Uh-